<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And welcome to the Water Cooler. Glad you're with us, everybody. It is Thursday, June 10, 2021, and Joe Biden's first international trip as president is in full gear. Today, he met with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. They, along with their wives, strolled down the coast of St. Ives. I thought it was funny when he told reporters there, he said, it's gorgeous, I don't want to go home. That's what he said. Well, actually, conservatives across the country would love if he stayed in liberal Europe. Anyhow, more in a moment. Also today, the iconic Trump Bible church shot. We all remember this. Well, now it turns out, huh, the media once again got it all wrong. It turns out Lafayette Square in front of the White House was not cleared of protesters because Trump wanted to walk over to the church. How many times is the media going to be wrong when it comes to Trump? Are they apologizing? <laughs> Cue the laughing emoji. Also, how about Joe Biden's budget director on Capitol Hill yesterday? Did you hear about this? She is defending the language birthing people in Biden's latest budget. Now, what the heck are birthing people? Uh, newsflash, only women give birth. I Googled it. Trust me, more later. But first to Joe Biden's overseas trip. He's there to take part in the G7 summit. But before that, he met with Boris Johnson in England today, where they kind of yucked it up in front of reporters today as part of the proverbial pool spray. I told the prime minister we have something in common. We both married way above our station. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to descend from that one. No, oh, hey, we married above our pay grade. Yeah, tell us something we don't know. All right, uh, lots of things going on here. So what is the reality of this trip? Is, is Biden on the Trump was evil, but I'm better tour? I want to get some insight into that and the day's news with Hogan Gidley, the former national press secretary for Donald Trump's 2020 campaign. Hogan, great to see you again, sir. You too, David. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Well, what should we expect from Biden's first trip abroad here at the G7? What are you expecting? Not much. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you just mentioned some of the, uh, the concerns that the American people have about these types of trips. Look, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that goes on here. You want to, you know, kind of show the world that, you know, a sitting president is is strong, is tough, that this country should be feared, should be loved, and should be respected. And that's what Donald Trump did at every single one of these foreign trips. But behind the scenes is where you actually get things accomplished. And what Donald Trump was able to do that is really never talked about by the mainstream media is he got countries to pay their fair share mm -hmm. in a lot of these agreements. The United States was no longer the world's piggy bank under Donald Trump, but he also had trade deals that benefited American workers for the first time in decades. And, you know, the underpinnings of peace deals that we saw in the Middle East that no one thought possible. What we're already hearing from Joe Biden is another apology tour about how America is inherently evil and we're the cause of the world's problems. Oh, and by the way, we're going to take this globalist mentality that he's had for the better part of half of a century in elected office and remind the American people that it's not going to be America first anymore. We're going to focus on working with other countries to the detriment of our own citizens. That, yeah. to me, 
seems to be the most problematic part of it so far. Well, and Hogan, I want to play a little soundbite here from Biden where he talks about, in essence, the United States is back. And I'm thinking, wait, what? Here, let's, let's play this uh, real quick. We're going to make it clear that the United States is back and the democracies of the world are standing together to tackle the toughest challenges and the issues that matter most to our future. What does that even mean, the United States is back, uh, exactly? I don't know. It, it really didn't go anywhere. We actually led through a global pandemic. What Donald Trump and, and the administration was able to do was pass policies that improved the lives of all Americans, regardless of race, religion, color, or creed. Uh, we had record-setting success in the economy. So many people lifted out of poverty. Record-setting numbers for people employed, whether they be African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, and women. Um, you know, and then the pandemic hit. It was unforeseen. It was unprecedented. It came straight from China. And Donald Trump rebuilt the economy again. We were back. We were somewhere that this country had never been before, in fact, seeing those soaring highs that, that Joe Biden only talked about for 50 years in elected office, only dreamed about. You know, but it's, it's Barack Obama's own secretary who said that all the foreign policy decisions by Joe Biden have been wrong for his entire career. Yeah. It was his domestic policies that hurt so many Americans and sent so many jobs overseas, placating to places like China and like Russia, as opposed to focusing on American businesses. That's the globalist mentality that Donald Trump got rid of and replaced with the America First agenda. And I think the American people, regardless of how they feel about tweets and comments from President Trump, appreciated the fact that the policies actually impacted our lives for the better. You're seeing the exact opposite with Joe Biden. Yeah, it's something the media never really could connect at all. They didn't want to connect it. And speaking of the media and Trump, uh, here are the latest headlines about that Trump photo shoot. If, if that's the way the media termed it, you know, the old uh, police did not clear Lafayette Park so Trump could hold Bible photo op. Uh, that, according to a new uh, report out there. And once again, I mean, how many times did the media tell us that th this was this was because of Trump and nothing else? I mean, how many times have they been wrong here? A lot. And I've lost count at this point. I was in the room for those decisions. I watched, um, you know, General Milley come in. I watched Attorney General Barr. I watched the president interact. And they talked about having to push back that perimeter. And, you know, they had burned that church, that historic church uh, right in Lafayette Park um, just the day before. It was almost as though the media was saying, how dare you not let us go back and finish the job? I mean, the violence, the destruction, the looting, the rioting, was absolutely something like we'd never seen in this country. It lasted for the better part of a year. It's still going on in some places. But what that was about was making sure that that perimeter was, you know, was safer for the iconic buildings uh, for, from federal property and the destruction that was occurring. And the media went full bore against Donald Trump without evidence, without proof. And look, I was looking at a list before. They did the same thing with the granddaddy of them all, of course, the Russia collusion narrative that turned out not to be true. Right. Bounties on American troops, not to be true. A phone call with a Georgia uh, uh, you know, elected officials, uh, that information false as well. The COVID lab leak, the president was called a conspiracy theorist. He was using the Postal Service to, to take over the election and somehow skew votes. Everything the media could do to try and paint Donald Trump as evil, as nasty. They did it every time. And I'm going to borrow a phrase from the former president. The media should be ashamed of themselves. They breathlessly and irresponsibly pushed a lie that has now been proven to be so 
And thankfully, we're going to be proven right time and time again. Uh, but, but unfortunately, it's too little, too late. The media have already lost credibility. Yeah. And now uh, this president has been pushed out of office because of their malfeasance. They got exactly done what they wanted to get done. But it's to the detriment of their own reputations and to the detriment of the American people. Right, for, for sure, Hogan. And once again, crickets from the media uh, on all of this. We're never going to hear anything on that. Hey, I want to turn to, uh, we've got just a couple minutes left. I want to turn to Anthony Fauci uh, real quick. Uh, never a good day when Anthony Fauci is talking in the third person. Like, they don't already think he's all that. <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden, he's talking to Chuck Todd. I want to play a little bit of this, where basically, what, now he is science? What, the world, what in the world's going on here? Let, let's play this real quick. So if you are trying to, you know, get at me as a public health official and a scientist, you're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. That's like me saying, hey, Hogan, if you're attacking David Brody, you're attacking journalism. I mean, what, what in the world? What, what if Donald Trump had come out and said, if you're attacking me, you're attacking democracy, right? right? I mean, look, Anthony Fauci is not science. He may dabble in science. But Lord knows he's been wrong from from uh, you know from the from the beginning of this up till and including right now at this moment. I mean, he lied about masks in the outset, admitted he did so for a moral reason. But ever since that moment occurred, for the life of me, I can't understand why the media don't push back on every declarative sentence Dr. Fauci utters because he's been proven to lie before. He said he did. Then he lied. Uh, countless other times about not wearing the mask for, you know, some type of pomp and circumstance reason, for some type of symbolism. Cut, turn to uh, come to find out he actually, actually did wear the mask for that reason well after the vaccine. And of course, he lied about money going uh, to gain a function research, lied about the Wuhan lab, what China was doing, what they knew, when they knew it. Mm -hmm. At every single turn, this guy has been proven to be, um, you know, spewing inaccuracies and actually going against the science. Remember, it was just a short time ago at Mother's Day when he said, folks, we're going to be wearing masks for the next year, all the way through next Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. A couple of days later, CDC comes out and says, no, we can take off the masks. And he says, yeah, I think that's right. Did anything change? Was there some type of scientific journal that published new information? Right. No. The whole thing was a joke. Now the American people know it. And for whatever reason, again, the media have decided to, to tether themselves to someone with zero credibility, which makes sense because they have no credibility either. Yeah, it, it really is pathetic, honestly. And, you know, it's, it's no wonder that people uh, question not just Fauci, but wonder about the science and everything because they're getting mixed messages. Sure. All right, Hogan, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for being here, sir. Anytime, David. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, and, you know, he's right. And, and here's the reason, uh, I think, on the media issue. Uh, it's Trump versus Fauci, right? And this idea that uh, if, if they go after Fauci, once again, it's going to show that Trump was right all along. And that is the last thing this media wants to do. And they just won't. They just won't go there. Uh, we're back in a moment. See you then. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 
Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, hey, so I have three children. My wife gave birth to three uh, uh, beautiful uh, kids. Um, I did not call her a birthing person, uh, just so you know. But apparently the Biden administration now wants to refer to mothers as birthing people. I'm not making this up. Look, uh, I, I, I see it here. Shalonda Young, she's the acting OMB chief, the budget director for the Biden administration. She was in Congress uh, testifying the other day uh, and defending the birthing people. Language in the latest budget. Uh, here she is. The budget requests $26 million to reduce maternal mortality and eliminate race-based disparities in outcomes among, quote, birthing people. Uh, this is a shift from recent budgets, which referred to maternal health issues as women's issues. Um, I've never heard the term before. Can you explain what it means? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there, there are certain uh, people who do not uh, have uh, gender identities that apply to female or male. And so we think our language needs to be more inclusive in how we deal with complex issues. Crazy stuff. Let's bring in Congresswoman Mary Miller, uh, who is back with us on the water cooler. Congresswoman, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, uh, I had no idea. Were, were you a birth? You weren't a birthing person, were you? Well, of course, I'm the mom of seven children. I've never known anybody but a woman to give birth to a child. But I say carry on, Democrats, uh, with your radical agenda, denying reality in every way because we're gonna clean your clocks in 2022. They, the American people are not gonna put up with this. They're just exposing how radical they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you just wonder what this means specifically uh, in 2022. It, you believe that this will, in essence, this and critical race theory and all this type of stuff cost them uh, dearly in the suburbs and other places. Definitely. Of course, we do have to get beyond the HR1 uh, bill, hopefully that won't pass the Senate, you know, when they want to take over the, uh, allow the federal government to take over elections and basically um, take everything that was wrong with this past election and uh, force it on all the states. Um, so we're going to, you know, the American people are not going to withstand this. Uh, hopefully HR1 doesn't pass. Congresswoman, I, I want to play a quick little soundbite of a parent uh, in Virginia at a school board meeting speaking out critically, if you will, about critical uh, race theory. Um, I want you to have a, have a look at this and get your response. Teachers, it may seem that our careers have come to a dead end, but I'm here to remind you, we don't work for the school board. We work to mold the next generation of well-rounded American patriots. So don't give up because it is up to us. Students, you are on the front lines of these indoctrination camps. Challenge the staff when you are presented with a ludicrous statement and do not allow anybody to tell you that you cannot accomplish anything because of your skin color or to hate yourself because of your skin color. I tell you what, she says indoctrination camps. Uh, that sounds about right. Yes, and I applaud her and other people that are getting off the sidelines. They're informed, they're respectful, but they're courageous and they're uh, pushing back. Um, I'm not that I have friends and family that are teachers. I believe this is teachers union radical agenda, but we need to push back. The American people need to go to their school boards and they need to demand accountability. The 
teachers and the school boards work for us. And we, they, we are allowing them the privilege to educate our children, but they're accountable to us. And they claim to be inclusive while they're being exclusive. They're claiming that because you have less melanin in your skin, that you're inherently and irredeemably racist. And it's true, there is racism in the world, but it's, you can't divide it. Um, a straight line, less melanin, more melanin, you know, de defines racism. And, but we're not systemically racist. Our country and the West has overcome racism. So to be teaching this to, this, to our children is an atrocity and we need to um, make them accountable to us. You know, so, some teachers obviously fighting back. There, there's a teacher, there's a New York Post headline I want to show you. This teacher at a posh New Jersey prep school, she actually quit over critical race theory. She said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to be a party to this. And just this past week, we, we saw a teacher in Virginia actually get reinstated after being put on administrative leave because he wasn't going to say the transgender pronouns is that type of stuff you know um you know what can congress do in this area because you mentioned the local level and it does seem like it all starts at the local level for sure uh can what's congress's role here uh congresswoman um well of course the democrats are in control so they're everything as far as i can see is being voted and promoted down party lines um but i think we need to for all of this um curriculum that's not core subject. I think we need to require schools to um, have parents opt their children into these radical programs rather than parents having to opt their children out. Because for one thing, parents are always the last to know. And I know in Illinois, we just passed this egregious pornographic sex ed curriculum that they want to mandate everywhere. And I've had multiple uh, noble teachers come up to me. They're career teachers. They love what they're doing. But they said, I'm going to have to quit because I'm not going to teach this. And we shouldn't um, force teachers to have to decide to, you know, quit their jobs because they won't promote this radical, sinful agenda. Yeah. You know, um, you made a good point about the opt-in uh, for sure. I think that seems like a, a really good option. I've got 30 seconds or left, but this is really personal for you, isn't it? You've got not just with children, you've got 17 grandchildren to think of. I do. And... Um, I think what's going on in the public school is going to widen the gap. Kids need to get ideas that cause them to be victors. And the curriculum needs to present stories to them of, you know, like George Washington Carver. He was a complete victor. But where are those lessons in the school books? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Well, Congresswoman, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to finish your story. Textbooks are silent teachers, and people need to find out what's in the curriculum. 100%. Congresswoman Mary Miller, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. All right, Congresswoman, uh, I tell you what, she uh, gave us a lot to think about. Uh, very interesting. It's the first time I've heard about this opt-in to the curriculum, which I think is a very good idea. And when I, when I say good idea, it, it's something that Congress, most likely from in Republican circles, will probably start to push. Uh, rather than opt out, you know, what, why, why are people opting out? Why shouldn't they be able to opt in to something controversial? That seems like the way to go. Back in a moment with Ready for This, Papa John. I kid you not. Back in a moment. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Joe Biden, Biden administration, taxes. Boom. Can we get a graphic? Boom. Through the roof. Well, at least that's what... uh, It looks to be the case if uh, indeed some of his uh, pie-in-the-sky economic plans uh, go through. Uh, This uh, headline caught our attention. uh, Take a look. It says, Papa John Schnatter, America's small business economy can survive COVID but not tax hikes. So we said we need to get Papa John on the line and not for a pizza but for some analysis. Uh, So uh, John Schnatter, uh, founder of Papa John's Pizza, joins us now. Uh, John, great to have you on the water cooler, sir. Thank you, David. Well, talk to us a little bit about your concern uh, regarding tax hikes, especially in the small business realm. Well, it looks it looks like like that this is the anti-president for small business. Uh, small business is 80 percent of our economy. It's the heartbeat of America. And when you hurt that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, you de-incentivize small business to be successful. Uh, when you kill small business, you kill the American dream, and when you kill the American dream, you hurt the country very badly. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what you see as kind of a, I don't want to call it a doomsday scenario, but what does this mean for small businesses? What, what are they looking at? Uh, what is the potential peril ahead uh, under some of these uh, tax concerns that you have? Well, the small business is at an extreme competitive advantage. Remember, Papa John's was built as a family of small businesses. Uh, we had 5,000 stores, but we looked at it at one store, 5,000 tax, because if we knew that small business didn't make, didn't make money and wasn't healthy, the entire system would not be healthy. This is an, a really um, not sustainable, unhealthy dynamic, and whereas you're paying people uh, not to work, so they stay at home. Um, it helps the sales because they're at home and they're entertaining and then they're, you know, uh, with their friends and family. So, so it helps sales. But when you call the shop, shop there uh, to answer the phones or make the pizza because um, you've uh, incentivized people not to work. So you, you get sales part of it, but you don't get the customer experience, uh, the, the product quality, the service part right. And to me, that's not a sustainable business model. We have a franchisee uh, who's been with me over 30 years, a dear friend, Barry Hinkle. In fact, we have an award. It's a small, small business, the Hinkle Award. And he's been, he's been with us 30 years, and he's selling his stores. He's got four stores, and he's getting out. Um, so it, you're really, as a small business owner and as a Papa John franchisee, you're, you're not buying a business. You're buying a job. So this is night and day, in essence, between the Trump administration and the Biden administration. Uh, night and day. I mean... You know, Obama had had great style, not much substance. Trump had, we could work on his style, but at least he had <laughs> substance. He wanted America to be great. A Biden, you have no substance and you have no style. But again, I was fortunate. I, I was uh, founded Papa John's in 84. Uh, that's Ronald Reagan. That's pro-business, low taxes. That was a great environment to start a small business. Right. Let me ask you about Papa John through COVID and where you are now. How has that been going? I'm, I'm curious how, how business was because COVID, more people are staying home and order a pizza. But, but, but at yeah. the same time, how did, how did that work out for you guys? What, what was the curve 
like through COVID and now coming out of COVID? <laughs> this is something I've never seen before. We built Papa John's on what we call demonstrable value, perceived value, which is basically the customer experience, authenticity in the product, taking care of your people, great, great image stores, et cetera. This is, this is completely a different uh, animal. This is a different situation where again, people are incentivized not to work so they stay at home, it helps our sales, but they're in, be incentivized to work so it hurts the customer experience. I've never seen this in my lifetime. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious to get your take on, on, on inflation. We're getting a lot of uh, news about inflation. Where, where do you come down on, on your concern on that? Even Obama, uh, former Obama folks are telling Biden's administration that they've, they've got concerns like Larry Summers and other people. Well, um, he, here's the issue. The numbers are so staggering. You count to a million, it takes 11 days. You count to a billion, it takes 32 years. You count to a trillion, one, two, three, four, five, up to a trillion, it takes 32,000 years. And so I don't, I don't really, I don't buy the argument of inflation. Inflation, I think it's all about uh, devaluing, devaluing the dollar. Uh, when you print money and you have excess uh, government spending and deficits, it's a tax on the middle class. And the middle class is the heartbeat of our country. And so when you devalue that dollar, you put a tax on the middle class for their lives. And the, the again, trillions are so staggering, you don't have to wait years or decades for this to happen. As we've seen, the incredible amount of printing of money and devaluating the dollar, the Biden administration has basically destroyed uh, the American dream and destroyed this economy in less than six months. Well, you know, you're, it's interesting you mentioned the Biden economy because I, they've got this build back better agenda. Uh, some would say build back dumber. But either way, uh, their budget proposal has all sorts of taxes on it. I mean, look at this. They want to obviously, you know this, obviously raising the corporate tax to 28 percent. This global minimum of 15 percent tax on companies on overseas profits and then the increasing the top individual income tax rate up to about 39.6 percent. And they even want to double the capital gains tax rate. So so what what's the net or, or the net effect or the, the, the real bottom line issue on all of these potential tax increases? Well, if you look at what the Trump administration left Biden, uh, either side of the aisle, a strong border, a strong military, and a great economy. In less than six months, we've de destroyed the border. It's a crisis. Uh, we've destroyed the economy. I mean, the jobs numbers last uh, month were, were, were terrible. And we're giving in, giving in to in Russia in a very weak way. So from a militaristic view, um, we, we've hurt our military. So I don't know one button that Biden's not pushed that hurts America, that hurts the American dream and hurts our middle class. That's for sure. All right. Well, uh, John Schnatter, really appreciate your time here. Uh, founder of Papa John's uh, Pizza, really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, David. All right, sounds good. And I think, uh, I got to tell you, I, I, I think in honor of this, Madison, I don't know about you, but I think Papa John's, uh, let's get some beats in here, shall we? I mean, let, we'll order it. We'll pay for it. That's fine. We're not asking for it. Uh, we'll pay for it. But we, uh, I'm hungry. I'm perpetually hungry. So we should definitely get that in here. Uh, but he makes a good point. And the question on taxes is going to be a very simple one. Uh, will it be too much for the American people? I mean, tax after tax after tax. And once again, none of it te technically law right now. But guess what? Bernie Sanders has a pen, and Bernie Sanders is head of the Budget Committee, so or Appropriations Committee. So Bernie Sanders can just kind of go through it and do what they need to do. And then two key words, 
budget reconciliation. In other words, this idea that they can try to pass some of this stuff through on just 50 votes, that's what they're going to try to do. The Senate parliamentarian, not to geek out or anything, but the Senate parliamentarian has said they can do some of this providing X, Y, and Z. That's what we'll watch. Coming up next, Pastor Brian Kinsella. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Boy, the media loves to beat up on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, they, they just can't get enough of her. They, you know, anything she says, they think uh, she's crazy. Uh, well, ha- have they checked Elon Omar's uh, Twitter feed recently? Uh, look at this. This is what she... I, I can't even go... This is what she says. We must have the same level of accountability uh, and justice for all victims of crimes against humanity. We have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. What? Why in the world is the United States linked in with Hamas and the Taliban? Look, we're not perfect. We're not Hamas. What are the, we're not the Taliban. Uh, why am I yelling? I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry. Righteously, though, in a Christian way. Um, here's a tweet by uh, Congresswoman, Congresswoman, excuse me, Congressman Brad Schneider. Uh, they're upset uh, when I say they, uh, a bunch of Jewish Democrats in the House, say in Israel to Hamas and the Taliban is as offensive as it is misguided. Ignoring the differences between democracies governed by the rule of law and organizations that engage in terrorism discredits one's intended argument and reflects deep-seated prejudice. Drop mic, true. Let's go ahead and get some reaction to this from Pastor Brian Gibson, uh, founder of Peaceably Gather. Uh, Pastor Gibson, great to have you again on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, David. Uh, I'm shocked right now that I agree with Schneider on something, right? Right now, <laughs> we've, come in, we've come into agreement. And uh, I, I think, honestly, all of these guys already know, and the ladies know, where Omar's coming from, what her worldview is, and also what her theology is. She, she wants a theocracy. She wants a world governed by Sharia law, uh, not just for herself, but for you and me. Uh, she hates Israel. She hates America. She would like to see Israel driven into, into the sea and America ruled by Sharia. So that this shocks anyone uh, is shocking to me. If you, if, you, if, you aren't, if you're shocked by this, you don't understand who this woman really is and where her worldview comes from. Dave. Yeah, so it kind of leads to this larger issue. Uh, well, first of all, politically, uh, Jewish Democrats are, are very upset at her. Uh, this is not the first time, uh, which kind of goes to your point, which is with Marjorie Taylor Greene, when she made those comments on this show uh, regarding, uh, I, I say the Holocaust, but it was really about Nazi Germany and pre-1930s Germany, she wasn't coming from a place of hate, as I've been very clear. But Omar clearly is not happy with Israel, not happy with uh, uh, the Israelis. And and so there's a much different situation there in terms of uh, motive. Yeah, 100%. Green was drawing a comparison of a step-by-step process that could happen in an environment. And she used the one from Nazi Germany. And we all know that's when the fireworks go off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we try to steer away from those comparisons. But we know that Omar absolutely is is hate-filled. 
again and again are anti-American and anti-Semitic rhetoric. Uh, it's coming and it'll and it'll keep coming. And I understand that the the Democrats that are also Jewish are upset about this, but largely they look away and they've allowed it and given her a pass uh, un, until this point. And so she's upset because they're they're recalling publicly for her to explain these these uh, crazy statements that that tie the U.S. to the Taliban and Hamas. And I think. To be honest, they're a day late and a dollar short. They should have stepped up and said something before if they wanted to accurately represent their community's views and concerns. You, you know what's shocking to me? Well, I say shocking. I, I guess sarcastically I'm shocked uh, that Omar and the Democrats uh, who, who uh, let's just talk, let's keep it with Omar and others who are all, they say they're pro-woman and that, you know, they're, they're basically in essence backing Hamas and backing all of these groups that are the antithesis of anything having to do with pro-women. They're exactly the opposite. And, and if they're pro-LGBT, hey, Omar, have you had a, have you had a look at, at Sharia law? I mean, what in the world? That, that ain't pro-LGBT. No, no. What, what's crazy is they always want to back these type of groups, right? Hamas, uh, always standing up for the radical uh, is, Islamicists and trying to make a, a gentler picture of them. What they don't understand is the woke left would be the first to die if they had to live overnight under their regime, right? Uh, these groups, Sharia law, Hamas, you name it, Taliban, uh, they're going to execute homosexuals. Women will be covered at all time and, and have to submit to whatever the male says, uh, often denigrated in their society. I mean, it's crazy what they stick up for and where the church, right, and Christians have been one of the biggest proponents of freedom around the world. We've stood up for women's rights. We've stood up for equal treatment of people. We've stood up for love and kindness, even when we disagree with people. We don't call for their, their murder, right? We say, yeah, we, we lovingly disagree. So we're the bad guy on the church, but good, radical Muslim. It, ma it makes no sense. Uh, the ideas don't mesh. I think they're just playing the card. An enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the church and specifically uh, true biblical Christianity of what that represents compared to what the, quote, other side, if you will, of this represents, because that is the, that is the truth. But the media spins it exactly the opposite. The hate-filled Christians, that, that's the way they see it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it is the narrative, and they want to uh, do what the Bible says, call good evil and evil good, right? That, that's what comes out of the media and comes out of the hardcore leftists all the time. But the Christian perspective is to love your enemy, to love the world. And we're lovingly trying to lead them to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we'll capitulate and say what they think is truth is truth. Because, see, we, we self-identify with the truth. That's, that's what we do. We identify with truth. So we'll tell you we disagree. We'll tell you that, that we think you're wrong. We'll tell you what the Bible defines as sin. But we still love you, and we're for you, and we want you to win in life. Now, you compare and contrast that with um, a lot of the, the views of other religions behind the Taliban and by Hamas. It's submit even by the sword or force to take their ideology. So they, they've got so many things backwards, but the world's a confused place. And the only hope for it is Jesus. Dave. You know, you know, I've got about 30 seconds or so, but we, we as, as Bible-believing Christians, those that know that Jesus is the only way to heaven, uh, look, uh, we, we believe that to be the truth. Uh, and, and if we believe it to be the truth, why is it not a loving thing to, to express that truth to others and, and really share that in, in a loving way? Yeah, if we deny someone the truth of Jesus and the truth of his word, 
we're doing them the ultimate disservice. It's like not trying to stop somebody from walking out in front of a bus for us. So we have to tell you the truth. It's our call. It's who we are, but we do it in love. Pastor Brian Gibson, uh, great to see you. Love having you on the show. Thank you so much. Hey, it's an honor, David. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Pastor Brian Gibson here with us weekly. We love it. Uh, he's really, uh, I got to tell you, he, he really brings it every single week. You might not agree with him. Okay, that's fine. But you know what? Do me a favor. I want you to be intellectually curious. And why don't you, uh, you pick up a Bible uh, and, and start reading for yourself. Uh, and, and if you are really serious and your heart felt about it, he will reveal the truth to you. We're back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for mm, the last sip. Here's some breaking news for you. The media is pathetic. Look at this headline. Hey, this was a year ago. Peaceful protesters tear gas to clear way for Trump church photo op. Wrong buzzer sound effect, not true. We now know that that never happened from this latest report that is out that said actually they were planning this all along. The fact that Trump went to that church had nothing to do with dispersing the protesters with tear gas and all that type of stuff. Huh, interesting. That's one headline. There's so many more. So many more. We can just go on, so shall we? Let's go on. Uh, how about this one from the, oh, the New York Times? They're credible. Protesters dispersed with tear gas so Trump could pose at church. Wrong, 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 wrong. That's Katie Rogers. Let's call him out by name. The Washington Post. Hey, now that's an, a, a, an organization we can trust. Lafayette Square clash, still reverberating, becomes an iconic episode in Donald Trump's presidency. And then, of course, uh, that's three. And the USA Today, how police pushed aside protesters ahead of Trump's controversial church photo. And, of course, we know that the reason they did that had nothing to do with, wait for it, Donald J. Trump. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. The media told us over and over again, it was an iconic photograph. It was a big time moment in Donald Trump's presidency. And it was all false. The media gave you the wrong story. You couldn't believe them on that. You can't believe them on the dossier. Uh, Robert, that stuff. Uh, a COVID, I can go on about the Wuhan lab stuff. I can go on and on with media stuff. Wrong, 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 wrong. You know what it makes, uh, you know what it reminds me of? Think about this. Donald Trump as Roadrunner, remember the cartoon Roadrunner? Roadrunner, and the media is like Wild E. Coyote. Didn't end well for Wild E. Coyote, by the way. Uh, here, here's an example. That's it. Roadrunner, did you notice? Always ahead of Wild E. Coyote. Wild E. Coyote always chasing Roadrunner. Roadrunner always getting, quote, away with it away with nothing, really. The bottom line is, is that that is what the media and Donald Trump's relationship was like. By the way, I want to mention something real quick. Real America's Voice is going to be broadcasting live uh, through the day today.
from Turning Point USA's Young Women's Leadership Summit in Dallas, Texas. It's actually going to be June 10th or June 13th. We've got Jenna Ellis and Tudor Dixon. A lot of folks reporting from the event from all of our shows throughout the day. Back in a moment. Everybody, end of the show. It's been about 15 minutes or so since we had Papa John on Papa John's Pizza. And where's the pizza? Madison, what's going on? Uh, well, anyhow, we're working on that. In the meantime, let's talk to Joe Weber, uh, news editor there at justthenews.com. Joe, uh, great to see you. Won't be any pizza here for you when you eventually arrive. Sorry. <laughs> you, sound, you, sound de- <laughs> you sound depressed. Uh, Joe, what do you got uh, for us here in the news? Yeah. What's going on in the legal space today? Uh, Texas Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton is going to be the focus of a criminal uh, misconduct investigation by the Texas Bar uh, for his assertion that there was uh, voter fraud in four states that would be Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Michigan. Uh, this was brought on by the Galveston Island Democrats. <clears throat> Mr. Paxton, whom I know is a friend of the show, is kind of having a tough week. When you consider uh, former President Trump endorsed George, or didn't endorse George P. Bush, but uh, gave him his back backing to challenge Paxton for his re-election bid. So there's that. Two other additional things. The two guys who were associated or were arrested in connection with slapping uh, French President Emmanuel Macron, they're in court today. Uh, there's no particular motive known right now. They have no criminal record, but they investigated the police raided both of their houses and collectively uncovered a book by uh, Hitler's Mein Kampf, uh, weapons, um, books on medieval uh, fighting. Uh, so we're interested to see what's going to come out of there. And lastly, the Jobs Creator Network, another friend of uh, the show. You know, they have that suit against Major League Baseball about moving uh, the All-Star game out of Atlanta. It's going to be a um, legal uh, hearing today, a court proceeding today. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. All right. Well, that's a lot uh, to go, a lot to sift through. Uh, by the way, I'm distracted by the jacket. I just want to say, just on a narcissistic, or not a narcissistic, but a stylistic note, uh, that's a very impressive jacket. Uh, did you wear that uh, on, on special occasion for this show? Well, can I be honest with you, your, your producer told me that I had to do better than Stephen Miller's green jacket, so lime green jacket. So this is what I got. <laughs> All right, Joe, Joe Miller with the uh, the heaven can wait Warren Beatty look. Look it up, Gen Zers. Uh, thank you so much, Joe Weber. What did I say? Did I did I say Joe Miller? <laughs> Is that not your brother? With me and Stephen Miller, yeah. Okay, Stephen Miller and Joe Miller. No, Joe Weber. All right, thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you. All right. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Tomorrow on the show, oh, look, Rick Perry is going to join us. He's the former governor of Texas, and he talked like this, and I like when he talked like this. Uh, Also, Paul Farhi will be here, the Washington Post media reporter. Where's Joe Biden on the press conferences? He had, like, one, and then he, like, disappeared. He went to Europe, and he started swimming. 